Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're off and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham. In a second, I'll be joined by my friend and co-host, Anthony DeBundo. But first, Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey, Colorado, and Ohio. Bet $1 on any game, get 200 in bonus bets. It's the second legs of the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and we'll kick things off on Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Chelsea hosting Real Madrid. Chelsea is a plus 178 home underdog. Real Madrid sitting at plus 140 with the draw at plus 250. Real Madrid is leading by two goals. They are a minus 2,000 uh favorite to advance, while Chelsea is, you know, depending on the book, is sitting around nine to one. Uh, to advance, which is just not high enough at all. I, I literally have no interest in this match. Real Madrid is probably going to go through, but we have to point out that Chelsea last season in this tie made it very, very interesting in the second leg and almost, almost took out Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. But I, again, I have no interest on in this. Anthony, though, you can't quit Chelsea. No, I can't. It's very unfortunate. Uh, they They were pretty poor on Saturday at home against... Brighton, uh, we did cash in over, which was cool. Uh, pretty much deserved it. Uh, I mean, Chelsea was a little fortunate to score, but Brighton fully could have had three or four. I think when you consider this matchup, the first 20 minutes of the match against Real Madrid is kind of what I expected. And I thought, you know, Chelsea had opportunities to get in behind and, and to score and just really couldn't uh, finish. And really, we've seen this time and time and time and time again this year. They uh, failed to convert their one-on-one through Felix. Sterling was denied with a great save from Courtois. Uh, In the end, they had eight box entries via the pass, zero via carries in the first leg. Now the second half gets a little bit trickier because of the red card. So that kind of throws the game out of whack. At that point, it never really felt like Chelsea had a chance to score. But I think in this setup at home, Chelsea has to go balls to the wall and has to put out an attacking lineup that can create chances. And I know it's crazy. People, you know, keep reaching out to me and asking me why I keep betting Chelsea and why I I think that uh, I'm, you know, backing them to score goals and whatnot. The market has gotten so low on them now that even as a two goal home under uh, home team in the second leg of a champions league draw against real, they are still an underdog. Now I do worry about, this way this sets up tactically for Real because they're very comfortable playing without possession and and waiting for their transitional moments. And I think they can be very successful 
Uh, Reese James did not have a great game against Venetia, uh, who carried the ball into the penalty area 12 times in the first leg, which is pretty scary from a Chelsea perspective and, and definitely concerns me from a defensive point of view for Chelsea. Because in the end, they did concede uh, over one and a half expected goals. And uh, the defense was was not great, given what I thought would be better with Conte back in the fold. So I think if you like Chelsea, you know I want to target their attack, not necessarily their defense. And you can find their first half team total over a half at plus 120. And that's where I'll be looking for this one because I, I really don't uh, see a world in which Chelsea is content to sit back and not go after Real Madrid. And we have seen this with Real Madrid pretty consistently in uh, some games this season in the Champions League where they went on the road to Leipzig earlier in the group stage, conceded early, Celtic. Uh, should have conceded early, got away with a lot in that match. Even in the in the last round against Liverpool, Liverpool did nothing in the second half. Couldn't do Jack once Real kind of locked it up. But that first half could have been 2-2 uh, each end, given how wide open it was. So I'm going to back Chelsea to score in the first half here. And uh, I'm probably going to regret it. But I think in this spot, in this situation... They need to get on the board and they need to come out early. And I'm expecting them to have some success there, even though they've been really poor uh, doing that of late. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is, is right after Benzema had the tap in as well, like right after that, Sterling had a huge chance uh, to get one by Courtois and he just made a crazy good save. So yeah, it's, we'll see. I mean, obviously Chelsea's got to, the onus has got to be on them to come out and go after this. Uh, you know, I mean, Frank Lampard, I mean, the the three performances that they've put in under him have been very, Bad. very poor and much worse yeah, than yeah. they have under Graham Potter. So that is also a worry for me as well. So without a doubt. So yeah, I agree. I mean, if there's any way to target this, I agree with you that it's to target Chelsea's attack, the positive regression that they're due for. But other than that, it's looking like it's probably gonna be City versus Real Madrid again in the semifinals. All right, let's move on to a little more interesting match on Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Napoli. Hosting AC Milan, Napoli is a minus 134 home favorite. AC Milan sitting at 4-1 to with the draw at plus 260. AC Milan is a minus 142 favorite to advance with Napoli sitting at plus 116. Uh, I have some i i mean this first leg was was quite i thought quite exciting both ways from a tactical perspective uh and i tend to agree with what bet you're about to make uh but i'll let you go first here what are your thoughts on this match yeah you know i like the under here uh we don't have a ton of news on oshaman at this point uh and that is a big hinge factor ultimately i was hoping to get a better number and never ended up, up actually playing a napoli who did still create one and a half expected goals um, but I think Milan, this is very similar to what Milan did in the first round of the knockouts against Spurs, uh, where they just kind of sat very deep, absorbed pressure, and gave the opponent a chance to break them down and and, and, and took the risk. Uh, there is a clear drop-off without Victor Osimhen for Napoli, especially given that Simeone is also out. And so with both of them potentially missing here, now you are without a, a, a true shot number nine. And we saw with Bayern how much of a problem that was. I think it's a similar issue for Napoli. And again, 
you know, with Milan being on the road, if Napoli does go up early, that doesn't really change the calculus for Milan, who wants to be in the transitional moments anyway, wants to get Liao, uh, you know, in space up the left wing via outlets, who isn't really going to try to overwhelm with possession, especially away from home. And so I don't really see this game playing out as in a high event way. And so I took some under two and a half. Minus 125 is the best number I was able to find on it. I think this sets up to be a very low scoring, you know, typical, not to be cliche, but typical Italian kind of knockout match where neither team really wants to take a ton of chances. Napoli, I do think is live to turn this for sure. I mean, of all the four matches, this is the biggest close, closest to a toss up. Uh, but I would still rather be Milan with that goal. I agree. And that's why I do like AC Milan plus a half at plus 105. You know, the thing was, is I was, I was projecting some value on them in the first leg at home, uh, even before Oshman was announced out. And now the reverse of it, you know, I'm still showing value on them again, because I didn't really take anything away. Like it was a very even match. Like, I don't think any of that you could make an argument of whether, which side deserved to essentially win it. But you know, the first 20 minutes Napoli did were by far the better side. They created the huge chance inside the first minute with Kabarskelia. But from that point on, Napoli took 13 shots from the second minute until the 87th minute when they did create a couple of big chances. Those 13 shots, none of them had an XG rating over 0.1. So AC Milan did a great job of limiting those chances. And I mean, listen, so from a tactical perspective, what Napoli did differently than when they got beat for nothing was Lobotica and Gisa, they pressed high against Milan when they lost for nothing. And they created a lot of space in behind for Benacer and Tonali to get space and eventually get the ball wide to Leao and Diaz. And it created a lot of, a lot of havoc and a lot of pressure on Napoli's defense. Well, they sagged off and they didn't press high and they basically tried to condense the middle of the pitch, not allow Milan to play through that. But as the match went on, they started pressing higher more and more. And eventually the first goal, how it happened is they both tried to press high and they couldn't close and that met Milan down in the middle of the pitch and they had a breakaway chance. And like you said, Milan is outstanding in those transitional opportunities. Now there's some people suspended for Napoli that I think have a much, much bigger impact than whether Oshman actually plays or not. And Gisa is going to be out because he got the red card. Kim Min Jae is going to be out because he picked up uh, too many yellows. So now he's suspended for this as well. Kim Min Jae has played 28.290s of the 30 available for Napoli uh, in Serie A this season. And Gisa has played 26.2 of the available 3090s as well. So the drop off, you know, from Gisa, it's going to be Tenge and Doble, which is not, you know, a massive, massive drop off from, but from a center back perspective the drop-off is to Juan Jesus who has only played about seven full 90s in Serie A this season so that's a problem for for Napoli especially when the onus is going to be on them to press and go forward given what we saw in the 4-0 defeat and Milan being able to sit deep being able to absorb that pressure and then counter it's a very very dangerous game to play now Kavarsh Gelia was, was much better than he was in the 4-0 defeat. You know, they started using him a little more centrally uh, to get him some space as well, which did end up working out uh, pretty nicely. But again, like Napoli didn't create a ton of ton of high-quality chances throughout the entire match outside of that first one in the first minute. So um, I didn't really take anything away from that first leg that made me think that 
Napoli should have absolutely won and they're deserving of being a minus 135 uh, favorite here. So instead of taking Milan to advance, I'm going to you know take the price discount and take AC Milan uh, at, at plus a half at plus 105. I do only project Napoli at plus 113. Um, so I'd say anything even money or better on Napoli is good or a, on AC Milan is good enough for me on them to advance. All right, let's move on to Wednesday. The headliner is obviously Bayern hosting Manchester City. Bayern is sitting at plus 170, Manchester City at plus 137 with the draw at plus 280 at bet 365. The two advance line is Bayern is a 15 to 1 underdog to advance and City sitting at minus 8,000. Um, you know, I didn't really have much here in going into the first leg. You know, I thought the line was about right. You know, city city did get steamed, uh, towards match time. I think they closed around minus 165, uh, you know, from going from minus 135 and, you know, being a road favorite up three goals is interesting to say the least. Um, but you know, I know you're going to take the under, that's probably the only way I would play this. Uh, you know, I'll let you get into it, but city, for the first like 30 to 45 minutes, they were very, very passive and sitting off and trying to condense the field. And they didn't press high the way that they normally did. And even like, even the Upamakano mistake, it wasn't like a mistake where, Hey city was just the, the pressure was unrelenting and he just couldn't get it out of his own end. Like he was trying to dribble out and city was staying back and they were cutting off all the passing lanes that he had. They did the reverse shots after the, you know, when they did the highlight after it happened and he just, he had nobody to pass to. So he was kind of just stuck. So if city's going to do that again and just capitalize on Byron's mistakes with Byron having to go for it, I mean, you maybe could talk me into a city, but again, the price is a road favorite as a three being up three goals. So for me, this is a pass, um, but you do like the under. Yeah, I'm going to bet it now. You know, I liked um, our lean under three in the first leg. You had to pay about minus 120, 125 in that. And I, it's just a lot for a number that I thought uh, was pretty close to, to right. And so I'm not going to force place just because it's the Champions League quarterfinal and I want to have action on the games as I'm watching them. So but now it's three under minus one hundred five. I've seen as low, and I, I just wonder why it's the same number. And I know that the no book is going to put up a two point seven five because that would get hammered over immediately. And and I understand that. But this is now Manchester City in a, in a role where they don't need to score. They're sitting on a lead, so there's no incentive for them to continue to try to run up scores. This is a city that, to be honest. I agree. I didn't think they played like Holland was invisible for the first 45 minutes of the match. Like I, he was barely a, a factor in the first half. I thought Bayern did a pretty good job defensively, but again, it was the Upamakana mistake. It was a Rodri banger, which, you know, happens. The Upamakana mistake does ultimately come from city applying a lot of pressure to have the ball. I know that it wasn't directly on Upamakana, but playing into his weaknesses as a ball passer and as a ball carrier is something that clearly Guardiola picked up on and took advantage of, but the, and this is something we talked about with Eric as well, but Upamakano probably won't see as much pressure on the road here or at home here. Uh, I don't think he'll be relied on as much in build up because I have to think Tuchel needs to make some type of adjustment to build up elsewhere or to tr try different things. But the problem for Bayern is that I don't know 
where their attacking shots are coming from right now because Chuba right. Moting, I know we've slighted him on this show and we've said, oh, he's not Lewandowski. They're getting fewer shots. He's not as good of a focal point. That's why they have more draws this year. And like, I think that's generally true, but without him, it gets worse, mm-hmm. way worse because Gnabry has been in terrible form. Sadio Mane's fighting his teammates and they don't have a true out and out striker right. at all at the club. They're not going to start Matisse Tell. Uh, and, and so the whole attack like it's hard enough to score on City's defense, and it's hard enough to hit them. You, you, you almost have to have like a clear plan of how to attack in transitional moments because you're just not going to get a lot of subtle possession. And they don't have a target man. They're not playing like a true false nine. The one guy they are playing there is has been in terrible form for the last ten weeks and maybe leaving the club this summer with Gnabry. So there's a lot of question marks there. So I just don't really know if Bayern has enough teeth right now to expose this team right, and make this competitive enough for City to have to come out. So I took the under. I think uh, from a – that's like the narrative angle. From a numbers perspective, I am right at 2.88. Uh, so like I don't yep. have like a huge edge here. Uh, curious what your number is, but – I'm at 2.81. Yeah, so, right so like a little bit under. But uh, unless this – comes out and Byron comes out firing. I don't know that this game ever gets that close. Right. So I'm taking the under. One other thing is that Byron has not looked consistently good in attack for more than just one match. I mean, they drew Hoffenheim one, one. They did nothing. It was very unimpressive. They performance. Did some, they, but like they didn't do, they didn't do Byron level of like three expected goals. Like no, where they create like one and a half. They didn't do shit. Yeah. It was, it was a easy Hoffenheim yeah. result. Honestly, they could have won it late. And then, uh, Pavard scored the only goal and it was like a deflected off of a set piece. So it was kind of fortunate. Yeah. Uh, and they had one goal at Freiburg. They lost to Freiburg in the cup. Like this, <sighs> Dortmund keeps dropping points, but this Bayern team is a pure fade for me, uh, even more so than normal uh, yeah. for the rest of the season. I have to look at the schedule as to who they play, but uh, the market is still high on this team. And I right. think there's a lot of holes and questions. Yeah, so something also interesting, which plays to your under uh, as well, is something that Pep has been doing for the last, uh, you know, three or four, or maybe a couple months now. Ever since he took essentially Kyle Walker and Rico Lewis out of the team, is he's playing four center backs at the back, uh, and also Rodri, so it gives him the ability to play five at the back if he really, really needs to. Uh, and you know, obviously, Akanji and and Ake are both very versatile center backs. But what it also does is it creates you know, since they play a little bit more centrally than somebody like Cancelo or Walker, where they'd want to play more wide in a, you know, actual left or right back role is it allows, you know, why is Grealish having such a great season? It's because he's actually able to stay more wide. Like Cancelo always does these overlapping runs or whatever it is. And it's fine. And, you know, it, it worked, it does work for city, but the way that Grealish plays well and how he played well at Aston Villa is he gets the ball out wide and he attacks defenders heading, heading centrally. And he's been doing it over and over and over again, because, Ake has been staying so somewhat central and forcing basically defenders to stay somewhat inward. And then Grealish gets one-on-one opportunities. So uh, yeah, you know, the ability for city to play that defensive at the back and have, you know, five guys who are all ball carriers who can also sit back and be big defenders to defend inside. And yeah, like you mentioned with Tuchel, like he's still trying to figure out who his number nine is like, like you mentioned, Gnarby's not in good form. Like he, he's not playing Chupa Motang. He can't play Mane. He's probably not yeah. going to play Sane there. He, he might play Mueller as a false nine, but like 
I think it's going to be Gnabry again. We don't know. Chubamotin could be back. That is one thing to monitor. Uh, he was ruled out pretty early for the weekend. They do get the extra day here, but it seems like he'd likely be a sub at best. But I, we don't know the situation with his injury yet. That would certainly make me a little more hesitant. But uh, like you said, Gnabry and right. Sané and Mane have not been... And, and here's the thing with Byron as well against a lot of teams, you know, especially in possession, they, you know, Tuchel's been messing around with, you know, when they do in build a play, whether it be like a two, three, five or a four, two, four. And essentially what that does, it compresses the final line, allows them to create numerical advantage against the last line of defense. Well, if city's going to play essentially with Rodri, essentially five center backs at the back, you cannot create those type of numerical advantages with them in the box. So it, yeah, I agree with you. I, I might. I haven't looked at what Byron's uh, team total is, but maybe under one and a half might be a might be a play if it's at a decent price. But other than that, yeah, I'm I'm passing. Um, you know, like we talked with Eric, like Byron might German this thing and make it interesting. But other than that, yeah, no, this is a this is a pass, and City probably moves on to play, uh, or almost a certainty they move on to play Real Madrid. All right, let's wrap things up for the Champions League on Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time as well. Inter hosting Benefica. Inter has a two-goal lead. They are a plus-115 home favorite. Benefica sitting at plus-240 with the draw also at plus-240. Inter is minus-2200 to advance. Benefica sitting at 10-1 to to advance as well. Um, I do have a pick for this match. I I, I did bet Benefica early uh, if you follow them in the app, but that has since been bet out of range. Uh, so I have a different pick, but I'll let you get your thoughts in here first. I don't have a ton of thoughts, to be honest. I mean, this is how Inter wants to play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have been in a ridiculous finishing slump. Yep. Uh, with with Martinez and Jeco and Lukaku, whoever plays striker for them has not scored anything forever. Um, and, and I think uh, I'm hoping that positive regression comes back for us in the potential semifinal against another Italian team or final for our Inter ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any of you guys joined me on that from a few months, um, what was it a month ago now, but I don't have a ton of thoughts here. Benfica weren't bad in the first leg. Like it was a pretty even match. Just their shots didn't go in. W- what was impressive about the performance in general from Inter was that they didn't concede any big scoring chances. Correct. They did a very good job of limiting the quality and just giving them a ton of quantity. And then, you know, sometimes you get burned by that. And like one of them goes in, you're like, damn, but in this case it worked out for them. They had a good approach. They they ended up getting you know more than the result they needed. Now they come home. I don't have a ton of. Uh, I don't want to bet the under here because I know the minute I do bet an inter under, they're going to go off and finally finish their chances. And they could be good in transition here, but I'm I'm passing here. Easier pass for me. Yeah, I will take the under. Uh, two and a half at minus one fifteen. Honestly, I was a little surprised to see it priced this lowly. Um, like I have two point three one goals projected for this match but i mean here's the thing it's like something that benefica really struggled with in the first leg is their build-up play like they're so used to being in portugal having a ton of possession building out from the back and teams not providing too much pressure on them because obviously you know those smaller sides they're so worried at them playing in behind them but it was clear from the get-go that inter wanted to make the match very very transitional and benefica does not they're a very build-up slow base type team inter it did press them okay. That was something I was looking for going into the match. Pass per defensive action was 11.6. They did force five high turnovers, so a decent pressing performance. Um, but now they lead two goals on aggregate. So the game plan completely changes. And guess what? We literally just saw this in the round of 16 against another Portuguese side. 
in that tie, Inter, you know, the second leg against Porto, they didn't press the same intensity as the first leg. First leg of the tie against Porto, their passive per defensive action was 6.8. Second leg, it was 13.4. Their average defensive height in the first leg against Porto was 53.5 yards from the goal. They tilted the field on, on Porto. They were really dominant in possession. Then once they had a one-goal lead in the second leg, their average field position was our average defensive position was 38.5 yards. It's just a drastic, drastic change. They became incredibly passive. And I don't see that changing anywhere here because guess what? They have a two goal lead. So even if they concede once and they're home and they're at home, it's not like they're just going to be like, Oh crap, we just conceded. Let's come out. Let's start pressing. Let's start getting, trying to get the ball moving forward. No. And you know, if you look at single, you know, and this is also a good lesson of, and it was a good lesson against Porto as well is not looking at, you know, single game XG and just being like, that's what happened. Because like, you know, if you look at our, our, our good friend, Mark stats, uh, you know, his single game XG on the, the inter Benefica match was 3.7. And if you look at how the game played out though, is before the Berea goal in the 51st minute, there were five total shots and 0.29 XG created. The goal happens, completely changes everything, completes, changes the complete uh, dynamic and complexion of the match. Obviously, Lukaku also had a penalty, so that also factors in. But, you know, Benefica, when they had to be more aggressive, they created a couple of big quality chances, and they just couldn't find the back of the net. And then, you know, as things went on, uh, Inter still was pretty passive overall for the match. I mean, in, for the, in total for the match, they created 0.6 XG from open play. Take away the Berea goal, it's like 0.45 of other shots other than the penalty and the Berea goal. So, Inter's most likely going to sit back. Uh, I, you know, Benefica might have some success breaking them down. They still are a very good offensive team, but Benefica just lost uh, in the Portuguese Primera uh, Liga to Chaves uh, on a 94th minute winner. I went and looked at the lineup they played. It was a pretty much bang on like their normal starting 11. So that's a tad concerning. Yeah, um, brutal spot. Yeah, it was a brutal spot for them. They, but again, they haven't lost a game in Portugal in like 30 years. Now they yeah. lost a couple in a row, but. Yeah, uh, but you know, a little it's just, concerning. You know, but I mean, it it is a bad yeah. spot. But it's also like, if you play your normal starting eleven, it's also kind of indictment. Like, and I, I know you've already won the league, and maybe you're not taking it seriously. But it's like, all right, well then, why are you playing your normal starting eleven? So, I don't know. But you have, know, like have said, they won the league? I don't think they've actually clinched. I mean, it they're yet. they're pretty much. I think they're said they were six points clear of Porto. I want to say before uh, the weekend not, it hasn't won the league yet. They haven't won the league yet, so I guess they had to take it seriously. But anyway, um, yeah, no, project 2.3 goals, and Inter's going to stay very passive. Uh, That's basically the summary of it. Uh, So I do like under 2.5 goals at minus 115. All right. Real quick, uh, Benfica has lost three in a row now, including the Porto and then Inter and Chavez. You know how many losses they had uh, between the beginning of the season and the start of this losing streak? Zero. The Inter's won. They lost in a way match to Braga, 3-0. Yeah, yep. Because I know they they drew they drew uh, PSG in both of their chances, and they I believe they beat Juventus. They swept Juventus. Yep. So, remember remember back in the days when Benfica was plus three fifty to advance from that group. <laughs> My God. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully we can find something like that for the next Champions League. It'll be it'll be whatever group Lazio's in. I'll tell you that. Hopefully we get an entertaining knockout stage because this has been incredibly yeah, dull. I know this has been brutal. I mean. You know, Milan Derby would be fun. Um, although Napoli, you know, whatever the Italian uh, mixture is, it'll be fun. And then, you know, City Real will be 
hopefully fun as well. Will it? City might just. Cook I don't know. Them. Yeah, I mean, City might just cook them, and then City just roars on to the final, and we're all either you or me are sitting there with a big ticket, just knowing it's dead. Um, I'm trying to like, what was the best match of the Champions League knockout so far? The Chelsea one, really? Is that it? Like the Chelsea Dortmund match was probably the best match. I don't remember a more interesting one. Uh, Liverpool Real, the first leg, like that was okay. Yeah, like the seven goal. I'd say that seven goal one was probably the most fun of to watch. But like, there did we have any like late drama? Um, not one. Not one. one. I mean, Tottenham almost equalized against Milan. Uh, the Chelsea Dortmund Porto Inter was somewhat interesting, but like every other, it's been yeah, a really Benfica, bad. Benfica rolled. City rolled. Napoli, yeah. Napoli rolled. Yeah, it was. It's been boring. So let's move on to a little more fun. The Europa. This is going to be fun. This is going to be really fun. We're just going to, you know, I like Roma to win against Feyenoord. Like the simplest thing is shocker. Like, yeah, it's like you know, <laughs> Roma missed a penalty. Feyenoord scored a goal from outside the box. Like it was a very very even match. Roma comes home. I got them projected minus one thirty seven. That'll be my favorite bet. But I think the more interesting discussion is like on the futures odds to, to actually win because all these legs are still way live. All of them, uh, you know, with United giving up two own goals to Sevilla, Sevilla is now live. Obviously the Juventus sporting one is, is very live. And then Union St. Gelosi got a result on the road against Leverkusen. So now we have everything to play for. You know, before we started, uh, you know, recording the show, we were just we pulled up five thirty eight to see, you know, what what they had because we were kind of talking about maybe a fine order at nine to one, and five thirty eight has fine order as the favorite at twenty one percent to win the Europa League. So, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with uh, at this point. I still believe that um, United, I guess, should be the favorites, uh, maybe along with Leverkusen, but. Um, yeah, all of these legs are still very, very live. Um, but yeah, Roma for me, uh, what's your best bet in Europe league and just general thoughts in, overall about how exciting this has been. Yeah. I mean, sporting beat the shit out of Juventus in the first yep. leg Absolutely. at Juve and they lost, uh, and they lost on a late goal. I was very upset. Uh, lost for me, had the plus a half. I think they're live to still turn this. If you, I mean, I am already invested on like plus 162 advance, so I'm not going to necessarily add more plus 210, plus 220, but they're only a down a goal. They're coming home. They're favored in that, and I think they're just as good as Juventus, if not better. Uh, I know Juventus has been excellent defensively, but they're not infallible, and they have defensive regression coming, and, and they've overperformed all season. Chesney went out with an injury. He may miss, it looks like. He didn't play today against Asuolo, uh, so his injury would be massive given how much he's been the reason they've overperformed defensively by so much. Uh, it's not like Sporting can't create chances against this team. They put up over one and a half expected goals in the first leg. So it's not, to me, it seems like one, I, I kind of lean toward the over, but I think Lisbon is live here. I'm going to take some plus 125, plus 130 on the money line. That's probably my favorite side again. I mean, it was my favorite side last week. They won on XG. They outplayed them. They had a better team. They lost the match, lost the bet, but uh, the market has moved steadily toward Juventus in the last week since that match, and I don't agree with it. So I'm going to take Lisbon as my best bet. From a futures perspective, though, I mean, look, Feyenoord is still 9-1. to one. And look, I love Roma. We all love Roma. We all have uh, Roma, you know, 23-1 to one tickets. But Nord is minus 170 to advance. Uh, Roma, their style makes me think this is going to be a 
coin flip till the end here. Like I think Roma probably does win, but I think it's also probably going to be a one goal game and thus you have the risks of penalties and whatnot. And I like the matchup for Feyenoord and Roma, whoever advances against Leverkusen or Union St. Gelosi, who is not out of it. They're tied as well coming home. Um, They're, you know, plus 160 to advance. So I think I'm going to add some Feyenoord here. Yeah. If you remember from last season, Feyenoord's been a team that I've generally been higher on. And somebody actually DM'd me last week and was like, what am I missing here? Roma should have no problem. Like they should win this tournament. And I'm like, well, Feyenoord's pretty good. They and are. They, have, they are, they are an, a winger factory and their ability to just find wingers, develop them, and then sell them on for more money. And they have a really fun group of players. Uh, so I kind of like their their transitional stuff here if Roma's going to have to commit more numbers forward than they're used to to try to get back into this tie. So, you know, between Jimenez uh, and and whatnot, like an Idrisi, like that's a really fun attacking group in transition. So I think they can absolutely cause some problems here. Uh, and I'm going to take some some Feyenoord 9-1 to one because if they do advance, I'm perfectly fine riding the Feyenoord wagon. Yeah, I mean, they could be facing Jelosi because they weren't. Uh, Jelosi honestly was not that bad against Leverkusen. It wasn't like I know Final, even. XG, Final XG will say, oh, it was Leverkusen 1.4 to 0.6, whatever. Like Jelosi, and they've showed this against Union Berlin and everybody else in the Europa League. I mean, we forget they won the Europa League, their Europa League group. Like they're really, really good in transitional opportunities and they're very, very comfortable sitting back and getting the ball moving forward. And, you know, Leverkusen, although they've been much better under Xabi Alonso, like they're for the longest time, they've been so vulnerable in transition defense, and it could plague them again here, especially that result happened in Germany. Now we're going back to Belgium. So, yeah, very, very difficult tie there. I mean, I might take some sporting Lisbon at 14-1 to one to, to win the Europa League. Like, even if they play Manchester United, I don't think that they're going to be, you know, that significantly out of it. Um, I know we're both very, very low on Juventus, uh, you know, at 4-1. to one, They're... I, yeah. I have no interest in that, but yeah, but, th- but think about that for a second though. Think about the price there. Because I know because you just said it. Like Lisbon is fourteen to one. They are a bigger underdog. They're an underdog to advance against against Juventus, which I, I mean, they should be an underdog. They're down a goal, right. but I think they have a good chance of turning it. But even then, they're getting United most likely. Yep, guaranteed in the semis, and then they'd have to beat whoever came out from the other side. Feyenoord is already up a goal. Mm-hmm. Gets the easier semifinal. And they're only nine to one. So like the price just is just surprising to me yeah. on Feyenoord. Uh, and so I'm, I'm officially on the Nord wagon, you know, I'm, and that way I won't be devastated if, if Roma does go out on pens because gonna... we have a good bet with Roma 23 to one. And I think they have a very good chance. It's almost like a hedge in a way that if, yep. if, if they don't advance, then we have another ticket to ride here. Yep. I just bet it as well. And if Union St. Gelosi goes to the final, I'll be in a puddle. Let's just put it that way. Because now I have Roma 20. 20- you already have Leverkusen, right? I already have Leverkusen 8-1. to one. <laughs> And now I've got it. But yeah, no, it really doesn't make... I mean, unless the market's telling you that Roma significantly has a significantly better chance if they advance uh, to win the Europa League than Feyenoord, I don't necessarily believe that to be true if they're both sitting at 9-1 to one right now. So. I agree. I, I mean, I like Roma more. I think Roma's the better team. But like I was saying, like I liked Feyenoord Pickham in the first leg. If you could get him, you know, even money minus one ten at home, I don't think there's a huge gap between these two teams. It was the two teams I did not want to draw when the draw came out was exactly. obviously United and then Feyenoord. Uh, and so, and look, United now with the injuries piling up for them too, I think that makes them a very vulnerable favorite Absolutely. in this competition. So 
United is vulnerable, Anthony. Not All right. Anywhere. Yeah, not today. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you all for listening. We will be back on Thursday morning to preview the weekend slate at the Premier League to a little couple FA Cup semifinals along with the rest of Europe. So for Anthony DeBundo, I'm BJ Cunningham. Thank you again to our sponsors at Bet365, and we'll see you all on Thursday morning. Good luck with your bets. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.